With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Friday, May 5th. It's the Cinco de Mayo. And uh, that's such good news because uh, now instead of just having a margarita tonight, you can feel like you're having a margarita and celebrating. See how great that is? Are you a fan of margaritas, Mark? I don't even know. I was just thinking, I was just going to say, I can't remember the last time I had a margarita. I might have been living in Arizona, which was like, you know, almost 20 years ago now. Oh, I can remember when. I had one last week. How about that? Uh, I had one at one of my favorite places on the Upper West Side called El Mitote, which is such great food. Uh, So anyway, uh, that is uh, what you should do today. You should definitely, definitely have a margarita if you're so inclined. And if you are not, have a have a um, like a, a mocktail margarita. Or a cerveza. Or a cerveza. Si, si. Uh, all right. So today we're going to do some emails. But before we do those emails, uh, some of you got really ticked off about this new mortgage rule that went into effect. Uh, it went into effect on May 1st, uh, so on Monday. And I wrote about it over last weekend. And we talked a little bit about it briefly. I knew that you were going to get mad. That's why I went and do a deep dive about it on the website. Because I really wanted to know more about it. And you know what? I went so deep that I had to pull up documents that were issued by the Federal um, Housing Authority, the FHFA, Federal Housing and Finance Authority. So first of all, there's two different things. One fee that went into a place last year that no one really talked about. Then there's this new fee this year. But it's really about changing the rules on how much capital is required to underwrite a government-sponsored entity loan. GSE is Fannie and Freddie. So instead of being mad about it, by the way, I'm incensed. (laughs) Did you like that little wine, Mark? I'm incensed. Read the article. You'll feel less bad about it. I really think you will. It's like, okay, there's bigger requirements. It's kind of like, you know, they're requiring more money to cover their butts in case people fall through the cracks. And if you think that there is a problem with that, that's uh, then you don't have to buy your house. You can keep renting. How's that? What do you think, Mark? You think everyone's going to relax? Relax. People who don't, who have bad credit already pay higher rates, already pay more fees and get private mortgage insurance. They're paying. Don't worry. Be careful your judginess also. Okay. 
Just be careful. Let's check our judginess on all of this. People have bad credit scores for lots of reasons. You know why the number one reason people have a low credit scores, Mark? Uh, I mean, obviously, they can't afford to pay their bills. Yeah, medical debt. Single biggest issue when it comes to credit scores. So anyway, if you're looking for a house, factor it in, negotiate better, and uh, you'll be fine. All right? So we're done talking about this. Uh, Relax. read Read the blog. It's all there for you. All of our content lives at jillonmoney.com. You'll find the blog there. You will find a link to buy the book, The Great Money Reset, and you can subscribe to our new service, Jill on Money Live. Mark, what a coincidence that we had Gina Smilik last weekend behind the paywall right before the whole First Republic thing broke, huh? I was lucky. But, you know, I was interested because I think she knew some stuff about that report that was coming out because she said some very specific things about the Fed report about Silicon Valley Bank. And what was the expectation? I think someone, she, I think she has very good resources and sources. So check it out. You've got to join Jill on Money Live to go see that interview with Gina Smilik. Okay. Now, this is from Tech Mama, who is at a crossroads, wants to know if she can retire with her tech severance. Okay. My partner and I are in our mid-40s. He's a government worker, ding, 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 pension, making $115,000 We're on his medical insurance. He plans to retire next fall when our kiddo goes to college. I make, you ready for this? Whoa, cue the hate mail. $390,000 combined salary and bonus with a million dollars of restricted stock units that vest monthly over four years. It averages, you ready? 20 to 24 grand a month based on the stock price. I don't sell upon vesting. So she doesn't sell it. She just holds the stock and she acknowledges I probably should. The big change is that as of April 1, my income is zero because I have been part of the recent tech layoffs. I will receive $120,000 in cash, about $125,000 of restricted stock units on an accelerated vest. Okay, here, here we go. 314,000 in restricted stock units, 419,000 in stocks, 125 in a pension for the partner, 210 in partners deferred comp with a mix of index funds, 372 in 401k and Roth IRA, 300 grand in emergency with no interest. Come on now. All right. She's, she already says I'm moving 200 of it. 45 grand in HSA. 25 grand in uh, 529. Kid will be on a scholarship, needs about 20 to 30 grand a year additional. They're going to take the loans and pay it all off once she graduates. Wait a minute. Stop it, Mark. 20 grand in crypto, but here's the next. This is what Mark knew was going to get me. You ready for this, gang? Tech Mama has 1515 single family homes worth a million and a half dollars. 15 homes, they cash flow five to $6,000 a month. They're going to 1031 exchange two of the three of the poor performers. They're going to reinvest in better cash flowing properties. We've paid most of them off using my vested RSUs and annual bonuses. How in the world? 15 homes, only 1.5? I don't know. They're really not, they must not be in a very nice area. Um, They rent in a high cost of living area. They don't own a primary home, but they'd like to buy a house in a low cost area in the next three years. Well, maybe you should just move into one of your houses. No credit card debt. 20 grand a month. I know it's a lot. We need to cut down. Maybe you don't need to cut down. 
Is it wishful thinking to consider retiring instead of returning to tech or doing something else that might pay less but give me more freedom? How can we put the severance and the $300,000 to better use to help us achieve financial independence in the next year? All right. So they're in their mid forties. Is he, so what's the deal with him? He's going to retire next fall. Do they want to be in their mid forties and be done with three, 3.3 million bucks? On 20,000 a month. Sounds like it. No way. Well, okay. Let's just, let's do something fun. Let's say that they sell every single property, which by the way, would probably be a killer tax event, but let's just say they netted a million bucks from selling their property. So now they have 4.3 million, right? 4.3 million. They got to spend some of this money because the kid is going to college. I don't think you can do it. Here's what I think. My guess is if you both were to get some job, which is kind of like a more chill job, maybe each of you would get it. And so instead of making a half a million dollars a year, if you could make 200 and basically, you know, pull a little bit of money out of your, but between the two of you, then I think you could do it. But I think they're short. I'm intrigued because, look, if you keep the real estate, right, let's just pretend you've got five grand a month cash flow right there. Okay. So now we need to come up with 15 grand. Again, I am not telling you to pull back on your spending. Let's just, let's be realistic. Let's see, see where you are. So you've got of your 20, you've got five covered. So now we need 15 grand a month. And so if you guys could both together make a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, you get a large portion of the way there. And I don't think that that's the worst thing in the world. Like, I mean, if you both together, instead of making, if you made half as much post-tax, you could support your 20 grand a month. And I would certainly do that at least until your kid's out of college. I really would. Then I think we have other decisions to make. And I'd be interested to know, like, are we really keeping this real estate for a long time? I don't know what's going to happen. But in the big picture, I think you have at least five years where you both have to work, but you only would have to make half as much as you're making now. Uh, The other piece of this, you have a lot of risk in here. You got all the money in the RSUs, which you're not selling, a bunch of money in your company stock. Like all this needs to be to be diversified. You should have a mix of index funds in all of your investments. If you want to keep your 200 in high yield savings account, that's fine. Get the other 100 to work. Maybe you just need 150, but you need a lot of money in cash because I don't know where you're going to get your job and what's going to happen. So, I mean, I think they're a little bit early to do this, Mark. Do you agree? Based on what we're reading, yes. And I'm also wondering, like, if he retires next year, do they keep health insurance or do they have to pay for it? I'm going to assume they keep it because he's because she said federal government. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. All right. This is Ryan. Hi, Jill and Mark. My wife and I both really enjoy listening to your daily podcast. Uh, Ryan's 52. His wife is 49. They've got a total annual household income of about $140,000. They save 15% into Roth 401ks. They've got a combined total of about $550,000 saved for retirement. That's great. Of the five fifty, three twenty five is in a traditional IRA. Should we convert uh, the IRA to a Roth using funds from the Roth to pay the taxes, or should we leave everything as is? We do not have plans to start needing to use retirement funds for another 10 to 13 years. Let's call it 10 to 15. Mark, how do you feel about using money in the Roth to pay for the conversion? Uh, no, <laughs> I was looking to see if they, uh, if he mentioned anything about a big pile of cash laying around. 
I think that's a no. And don't worry about it because what you should do is just you're putting money into the Roths now, which is good. Don't worry about it. Just keep putting money, new money into the Roth. We'll deal with the, the old stuff when the time makes more sense for you. Carol says that she is 59 and a half. She's got a 401k worth around $530,000, no debt, no mortgage, and no savings other than that 530 grand in the 401k. She says, I want to retire at age 67. Okay, so she's 59 and a half, 67. That's our goal. Okay, gang? She's got $159,000 sitting in a stability account and the rest in stocks and some in bonds. That's weird, Mark. Is she talking about within the 401k? Yeah, I think she's probably using a stable a stable fund within it. Uh, a stable value, maybe. Okay. Oh, financial advisor at the bank is, says invest 200 grand in a variable annuity. No, 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 no. First of all, where does this guy think you're getting the 200 grand from? Where is that coming from? From the 401k? You're still working. And no, once you put it into that annuity, then you don't have access to it. Terrible, terrible decision. We don't want you to do it. That is not a fiduciary, Mark. Not a fiduciary. Uh, Okay, this is from Gail. My husband and I want to give our adult child money towards a home down payment without triggering tax implications for us. We're retired and comfortable. If we each give less than the limit for 2023, that's 17,000, right, Mark? Must we write separate checks from separate accounts or can we give the total amount from our joint in a single payment? You can do a joint in a single payment. I don't know how much money, like when you say acceptable limit, there is a way to give more money. Um, The way you give more money is that you would just file a gift tax return and you would say, hey, it sounds like you may be your only child. So it's perfectly reasonable to do it this way. You just say, hey, my gift tax allowance of 11 something million dollars. I don't even know what it is these days. We're going to use part of it today. But what's interesting to me is, you know, she says we want to make sure the down payment is accepted without a hitch. It's not like a hitch, but I think the money has to be showing in the kid's account, the mortgage applicant's account by a certain time. Ask someone about a gift tax return if you work with an accountant. All right, last. Oh, boy. (laughs) I love this one. This is our last email today, and Mark left me with a doozy. The subject, when to pull out of the market. Mike says, I'm 65. I've got money in the stock market. I've been hearing that people my age should pull out of the stock market because they believe the bottom is going to fall out. Stocks are going to drop deeply. You mean more than last year? They already did. I don't have time to wait for stocks to re- to build back up. 69% in stocks, 40% in equity. That doesn't add up to me. I think he's 60-40. He's got a million dollars. And he says he says that's it for the rest of his life. So the question is this. You have social security yet? Are you still working? That's two. Those are two questions. How much money are we trying to draw out of this account? And I don't know when you should pull out and not, but you know the problem is you're 65. You can live for 25 more years. You can live for 30 more years. So you're right. You know you have a limited amount of assets to last you a lifetime, but that really does mean you need that money to grow faster than the inflation rate. I mean, you certainly should have one year of living expenses in CDs, maybe two, I'm not so sure you need to like pull money out of the market. If you're 60, 40, maybe you go 50, 50, but you still need some money to grow. You need a base upon which these assets will grow. You know, even if the bottom falls out again, you could live for 25, 30 more years. So you probably can withstand more than you think. All right. That's it. That's the show, Mark. It went by so fast. It's always fun to have a Cinco de Mayo Friday kind of 
pace here. So I'm very delighted that we're able to uh, work through these questions of all of yours. If you have one, go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air live. Don't forget, while you are on our website, buy the book, The Great Money Reset. Check out all the content. We've got another podcast. We've got the blog. We have videos, resources, and of course, you can subscribe to our new service, Jill on Money Live, access to quarterly live webinars and more special content. Fridays, we like to do a little business. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Karen Kranick is our web queen. Mark Tolaricio is our executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence 13. Lift someone up today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.